1: Everybody. welcome to another episode of True Crime and Cocktails Unsolved Mysteries Edition. My name is Lauren Ash. How's everybody feeling? As always, I am joined by my intrepid co-host, my sister, my cousin, the love of my life, Christy Oxborough. How you feeling? Uh,
0: I've been I've been pre gaming a bit. Um, <laughs> we, Out of we're, the gate, we're uh, we're recording this a little, like just like a little later than we normally do. Yes. Yes, Um, And the time difference, I think, is killing us because now we're two hours apart. So finding time to uh, connect gets difficult. But I was like, you know what? I've got a little bit of time. And I don't normally, like, when I have a little bit of time, I'm like, okay, I'll research this or whatever. But I've already researched for this one. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And the answer is I'm going to get tipsy with my husband while we watch Carmen San Diego reruns. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is so specific. And while I... Shout at the children for doing their best, but getting the countries wrong. <laughs> I don't know, but it's also me shouting answers that are not correct. So right, it was. A, isn't it, was it a also?
1: Treat. I'm just putting together now. Yeah. Isn't that show the game basically just Clue? Like they have to figure out three things, right?
0: Well, I mean, the first part they have to answer like trivia, and then the, oh, the second right. one they have to like pick where she where people could be on the board. And then the winner gets to run around on a really big mat with that huge pole with the light on the top that they have to put right. it down on the uh, countries. And no, right. nobody nobody was winning because you have to get eight in 45 seconds, which I feel That's is hard. impossible. So I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and so I'm, I realized I was running late and I was like, oh, I got to go get stuff set up. And so my husband finished off the episode and I was running around i come back in the room and then he just like without saying a word just picks up the remote and slowly presses play and i look and there's like so many seconds left and this girl has six and i was like did he do this back so that i could see this girl win and i was like is she gonna win he goes oh i don't know like he didn't know and sure enough she won and i was like it's impossible and i was yeah she's going to colorado so good for her
1: yeah. different altitude though i got sick every time
0: i went <laughs> different altitude They're only allowed Beautiful. Uh, to pick north america
1: colorado huh i mean no offense to colorado it's, yeah. again it's gorgeous i just that's interesting that that was her her choice yeah. i remember very well from watching that show some of the some of the like the moments so when they're playing the main game or what i would consider to be the sure. main game and they're trying to find the different things it was like the warrant i remember that and Marca- i remember jake, jake yeah Jake the Snake. I remember yes. that too. Yeah. yeah. There was an acapella group. That's right. Oh, man. Yeah. I want to ask, and listen, no judgment. I, I'm just curious. Like, what um, inspired that as a choice of viewing?
0: Well, we did. I mean, I guess this gives away. I guess it doesn't matter. They can know what day we record things. Uh, yeah. Today, we posted a fan fave Friday talking about 90s TV shows. And one of them... One of my personal favorites from my childhood was Carmen San Diego, and I got to talking about it with my husband. And I made the comment about like, God, what I would love to rewatch some of that because I lived for it, and it was everything I remembered and more. And that rock opera just—I mean, they serve their purpose, I guess. I, I, my Listen. quote was, "They're ahead of their time." <laughs>
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I mean, acapella music, I mean, Pitch that.
0: Perfect, Pitch Perfect
1: did make acapella music cool. It's the so the
0: only reason I said that they had anything going for them at the time. Yeah. Well, listen, movie. I love it. Now, if
1: anyone listening to this podcast was a contestant on Where in the World is Carbon San Diego, or if you are a member of Rockapella, please email <laughs> us, theories at Cocktails.com. We'd love to hear about your experience on the show.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, especially <laughs> if you're the bass guy, because my favorite is the bow. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. My favorite is that guy. <laughs> Just because well, it's amazing. Speaking
1: of bass guys, uh, we have... <laughs> A very exciting update for everyone. So if you listen to our last episode of the show, which of course was based on Hope Whispers, the Dateline mystery, Mm -hmm. uh, the special episode we did, uh, Christy and I spoke about an experience we had in Toronto in the early 2000s where Mm -hmm. there was a a band that we saw play. And the bass player from said band uh, was a gentleman uh, who went by Stone And we had an interaction where basically, you know, we hung out with him and he was very interested in Christy, almost as interested as he was in getting his hands on some codeine, which felt like, again, such a bizarre specific. But we were talking and we were I was talking about like, look, you know, you're a researcher. Can we find out if if Stone is still alive, if he's still playing music, et cetera? And the the point is, is Christy has an update. So this is like Unsolved Mysteries update,
0: right? Yeah. And what's the update? Well, this is me eating crow. <laughs> <laughs> his legal name is Stone.
1: <laughs> oh my God, like Stone Phillips. Now I'm thinking more and more that Stone I, Phillips, it must be his given name. I
0: could not find anywhere that it said his name wasn't Stone. Wow. Uh, the okay. The thing is, I took the CD, I found like, because I still have the CD, which when I opened it, I realized he had signed it for me and called me Squiggle Buns. <laughs>
1: But the best part is is that for, well first of all squiggle buns yeah. but, but the best part is is that he misspelled squiggles yes. so it says squigile buns <laughs> which feels like a different feels like well, a different
0: thing. That's why you don't mess with Cody in it. <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely yeah okay so you've located stone stone is his name i
0: have yeah what did you find out he he was the bass player because we went back and forth was he bass or guitar you were right Right. he was a bass player he played for that band from january of 2000 to december 2004 so we caught him right in a sweet spot in the middle he graduated high school in 1989 (laughs)
1: Wowzer! Okay, so, so, so he was—he
0: was a little bit older than us,
1: which is important to note again because he was hardcore hitting on Christy,
0: like yes. big time. Yes, I mean to be fair, yeah. I was legal age at the sure, time. Sure, but and there to, again been... to be fair, nothing happened. But I mean, it's for the best that nothing happened. But I'm like looking back at this, I'm like, ah, oh, I can't believe I denied him this little ginger snap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you know what, absolutely, it was his loss. It was totally his loss.
0: Look, I know it's hard to tell now, but when I was like nineteen, twenty, watch out. <laughs> First I, of all, I had red I, hair obviously my whole life and I hated it as a child, hated it. There were so few redheads and we would get teased for having red hair because it was just like a ridiculous like, okay clown, And so I wanted to dye my hair black, but my mother would never let me. And then I hit 19, and suddenly red hair became like, how you doing? And uh, (laughs) I never wanted to dye my hair after that.
1: Well, I'll tell you, again, I've referenced it many times on this podcast, and yes, I have witnessed it in person. It is, it is a, it's an amazing thing to watch, but first of all, how dare you say, I'm sure you can't tell now, because listen, you still got it going, and whether you want to admit it or not, it's true. You were too kind. I Listen, I speak the truth. So, okay, so he graduated high school and did you say 1989? I did. I did. So he was probably about, he was like 11 years older than you around. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this man in his 30s was hard hitting on a girl who had basically just turned 20. Okay. Good to know. Yep. Keep moving. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, he was a bass player and songwriter for multiple bands. Okay. He's currently a bass player for a band. Do I mention his band? I don't know. Do we want people to know who he is? I mean, if people did a deep dive like you did, I think they
1: could probably find him. They could
0: probably find him. You know what? I'm just going to skip it over. They're, unless they send me a hat, I'm not saying their name.
1: Okay, sure. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, he's a co host of a radio show. Oh. Uh, he's married, he has kids. He appears to be relatively sober. Good, and he has. They have traveled a lot as a family in the last few months. Like, wow, okay, Universal Studios, Disneyland, all of that. But I'm gonna say this: always in a mask. Mm. He's not the. I never thought he would be in a mask, but good for him. Good for his family. Sure. Uh, I was looking through photos, and I was like, oh, I don't know if that's him for sure. And then I saw one photo of him holding the bass and the way he was holding it and the way his hands were positioned i was like boom i was back at the hard rock in that concert i was like i could see it i was like that those are his hands and i was like why do i remember what his hands look like well he remembered what your buns look like (laughs) very squigile
1: <laughs> Squ- Squigile buns. Yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. this is impressive. So this is a fair amount of information. So yeah. I you know what uh, and I want to say I feel bad because in the last episode I was like who knows what he's doing. It's nice to hear that he seems to be living a very good life and that he's yeah. still playing
0: music. I think that's great. And there does not appear to be any legal issues that I could find. <laughs> So Well, I mean, at least he was, you know, as,
1: as far as we knew, he was only dipping into the legal drugs, i.e. the codeine, so that's and,
0: good. And maybe he did have a bad back. Sure. sure. I, it's just an interesting choice, but... Totally. Again, he was just looking for a relief, and this painkiller said no. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: this painkiller... <laughs>
1: Oh, wow. That's amazing. Oh, boy. Oh, it's going to be... <laughs> that's what you're
0: in store for in the next hour.
1: Well, listen. Uh, first of all, we never only go an hour. Second I know. Of all, I know. <laughs> Second of all, it brings me to a question, which is, what you drinking? What's in that cup?
0: Well, I don't know if you specifically came up with the concoction or if it's something we came up with at one point during a trip, but it's uh, some vodka because... Mama likes her vodka, of course. Some fresca, mm-hmm. a little cran cherry juice. Oh, half a lime, and it's it's delicious.
1: How how much does it taste like a pombe?
0: Not close. And I say that okay. because I started with a pombe. <laughs> Listen, I a, love that. Like <laughs> <yeah>. a, a <laughs> the Pombe during Carmen Sandiego, everybody does it.
1: Um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh. I worked a little bit late tonight, which is why we are uh, we, we're behind. So what I like is that that get, that's giving you the chance to get onto your second drink, which I think is very yeah. good. I am into the again the, the lime high noons. I didn't have a chance to go shopping this week. I've had a bit of a bear of a week. So what's nice about that is is I've got this one. I got three right here chilling in the ice bucket right here. So, so buckle smart. in, listeners, because this is gonna be this <laughs> one might get sloppy. Uh- <laughs> yeah, they could probably. Count sorry. On it. We're sorry, and you're welcome, is the point. Now, listen, we were talking, of course, about Stone, about this whole thing, yeah. because after last week's episode, that's when you reminded me about Squagile Buns, <laughs> which we had forgotten to mention, and yeah. I'm so glad that we got it in there. Yeah. But it also reminded me, and this is this is again on theme of what we've been talking about, we went to a Boxcar Racer concert on that same trip. Yeah. And Boxcar Racer for those who don't know was it was Tom and Travis from Blink-182, right? Mark wasn't I in think this, so. one. right? Yeah, so they were at Blink One Eighty Two. If you're a fan, or, or if you're not, uh, you know they they've been in a bunch of different bands. Like they all kind of like shuffle around, and this was this latest incarnation. And so we decided to go. The Used was opening for them, which is the first time we experienced the Used, which we both became big fans of that oh, band. Yeah. I accosted Burt McCracken this is before that they were famous yeah. and I yeah I really I really went for it anyway yeah. okay so we're in the crowd and we meet somebody long story short he informs us his name is Mike and he is from Buffalo <laughs> I don't know how that came up but it also should be noted that Buffalo isn't super far from Toronto but it's a bit of a drive for somebody wanting to go to a concert I mean I feel like it would probably yeah. be a couple of hours but listen Mike from Buffalo was there and he was not interested in that band he was interested in <laughs> in a very young Christy Oxborough and I don't remember very much I just I just remember his like intense interest in you and that I think you gave him my landline number
0: do you remember that? if I did I wouldn't have done it without your permission
1: right no no I think you have my permission but but I do feel like you gave him that number that seems right
0: (laughs) I remember he was blonde. He was blonde. Yeah, That's about as much as I remember. The fact that this and Stone and the guy driving over multiple lanes of traffic mm-hmm. to come over and talk to me. The fact that that all happened in one trip and I'm coming from a small town and going to this larger town like as a woman. <laughs> 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 that was probably the, bit, the best trip uh, on record. You know,
1: listen. I mean, again, like you were the bowling pin, and you were the bowling ball, and they were just the pins you were knocking down. I think that we did give him the number because, if I remember correctly, at some point in the days that followed, there was a voicemail on my on my phone, and I believe it was like, "Hi, it's Mike from Buffalo." He, like he like that was yeah, how he that, would introduce himself and then we started doing this bit where it's like, hey Christy, Mike from Buffalo's on the line. You wanna <laughs> take this call?
0: And the and the bit the full bit was us like doing a radio show. That's right. Cause it was like, and we've got Mike from Buffalo on the line. <laughs> I mean again, the amount of times we basically played this yeah like played podcasts before we knew what podcasts were
1: and that's what's really amazing about it again when we start to think about all of (laughs) the times that we basically were doing interview shows and talk shows uh you know it was all like very bizarre foreshadowing if this was a charles dickens novel you know (laughs) we we, it would by now the reader would be like get them on the podcast we get it you foreshadowed this forever for 30 years yeah anyway long story short too late my point is if you are mike from buffalo if that was you and you remember this <laughs> uh stone if you're listening who knows we got squigile buns here and we'd uh we'd love to hear from you so email us there is at true Grammar love to
0: reconnect yeah we'd love to
1: reconnect yeah
0: yeah uh, you know about that trip uh we mentioned this last time that we went and saw eight mile yes i was looking up dates, because I wanted to confirm that we had the right, that we'd given the right information. Th- that concert would have been November 7th. Okay. 8 Mile, released theatrically November 8th.
1: <laughs> I think it's feasible we were there opening night.
0: We went and saw it twice. We napped before, mm-hmm. a te- I think, a, a 10 or 11 p.m. show. Yep. And my favorite thing, it's honestly my favorite experience I've ever had in a theater ever, and probably will never be topped, was, for those of you familiar with 8 Mile, and I hope it's a lot of you, because- me too, me too. I was obsessed with that movie because I was in love with Eminem at the time, because Blanche. <laughs> <laughs> She's just owning it now.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: We went and saw it, we're sitting there, they have their rap battle, and people got to their feet to applaud. And I was so in shock. I just didn't know what was happening. I was like, you know, this is a movie, right? And not not the best one, right? We're not at a rap battle.
1: battle. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like
0: like they were, they were treating it like it was live. And it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. What I like is
1: that, you know, you know, you, the small town gal come to the big city in Toronto, get hit on by countless men and then watch people have a very theatrical experience in a movie theater. I really threw you in the deep end on that trip.
0: You did. It was great. That also was probably the one, the trip where we were supposed to blow up the air mattress before we went out, but we're like, "Ah, we'll do it when we get back. But we were so hammered when we got back that we couldn't blow it up. So I just, (laughs) I just slept on the like flat air
1: mattress. And I know what you're all thinking, like Lauren, why didn't you let her sleep in the bed with you? The answer is I had a twin bed. I had a tiny bed. Now, yeah. in retrospect, I should have given you the bed. So that's on me. Oh, no. That's on me. No.
0: I. It, the fact that we, like, I crawled in and just <laughs> laid down. <laughs> oh, God. Nobody's standing up and applauding that. I'll tell you that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
0: I should have. And I'm remiss. I, I would be remiss
1: if I didn't reminisce about this. Again, I'm still working that's, on that.
0: Look. If they're if Salt and Peppa is looking about getting together again, yeah, maybe they need to add a scotch of cinnamon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, careful, or I'm gonna add you ginger. You know what I mean? Come on, listen. I don't know what's for a whole spice rack. We're a spice rack, which I <laughs> yeah. love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shoot. Well, listen. Let's get into the episode. Of course, in this episode, oh. we're going to be talking about the unsolved mysteries episode, Stolen Kids. Stolen Kids is the episode. Just a real bright. <laughs> <laughs> oh a boy. real a real pick me up a real pick me up but yeah. um wow I gotta say watching these new ones because this was the last of the new ones yes and I you know we were so excited obviously that we had started this podcast and there was a new set of them coming out and that was so much fun and, and you know we binged them in one day so that we could figure out what we wanted to talk about etc. first and and i i mean i mean if dear listeners you think it's a coincidence that we've left this one till last uh, <laughs> i think it's safe to say nope. there's a reason which is it was a hard watch i i it, personally found that one yeah. very difficult to watch i don't know about you
0: yeah as a mother here we go here we go so uh, i mean oh my god I mean, I would like to think as a human, it was just difficult to watch. Yeah. But watching those mothers talk about just like that split second where their kid is there and then they're gone. And the fact that they've spent the last like 30 years sick about it. Yeah. Uh, Full, full disclosure. I have been dreading this moment and this week and mostly like obviously never dreading uh, the moment that we do this because it's great. Uh, dreading the moment I had to research it yeah. was my thing. Like the second the episode started, I was like, okay, oh no, okay, okay. And instantly I'm like, how can I, nope, I'm going to spend a week looking through missing kids stuff and reading about terrible things <laughs> with children. And I'm like, that's, it's, it's been a dark week. And I think that's probably why I was like, you know what? I need a little classic Carmen and I needs I need a cocktail.
1: And listen, I yeah. think that's the the remedy to solve almost any ailment. But listen, I do have to say, though, I think it's important that these stories get told. I think it was important that, you know, Netflix and Unsolved Mysteries included it. And I think it's great. I thought it was a good episode. It was just, it was just so heartbreaking to watch. But, yeah. you know, again, we'll, we'll get into it. I'm sure you found some information for us. And we'll also get into, you know, the fact that, you know, what I think is great is that these people don't give up hope. Because it sounds crazy, but, you know, stranger mm-hmm. things have happened. You know, sometimes later in life... You know, these these kids who then become adults are found. So, anyway, let's get into it. Basically, for those of you who haven't watched the episode, uh, again, <laughs> trigger warning, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kidnappings. So, yeah. basically what happened was, in May of 1989, two-year-old Christopher Dansby went missing from a playground in Harlem. Three months later, Shane Walker disappeared while playing in that very same park. Both children are still missing to this day. Are these two cases connected and what happened to Shane and Christopher? So basically, you know, that's that's really the rundown of the episode. There isn't a yeah. lot of beats. And we'll we'll, we'll touch on um, you know, the other things that were we talked about, but that's really kind of the nuts and bolts of of what happened. And it's obviously just such a sad, tragic, awful story. Um, but I guess it begins May 18th of that year, May 18th, 1989. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, of course, first of all, we're going to talk about Christopher Dansby, which was the first of these two children to go missing. And his mom, Allison. Yes. Right? She talks about how she had got, was going to a store, left Christopher with her mother, and then explain what exactly happened.
0: Uh, well, she had taken Christopher to the playground that's outside the uh, apartment buildings that they were living in. And she said she always goes and gets him a little treat from the store for when they're done at the park. So her mom was at the park watching him. She went to the store. She said she was gone maybe 30 minutes tops. And she came back and she couldn't see him. So she went to her mother and she's like, hey, where's Christopher? And her mother was like, oh, he's just over there. And well, he wasn't. So it ends up with her running around the whole playground, can't find him. Like running everywhere. And I mean, the place they lived was called Martin Luther King Towers. And it was this area that had 10 buildings in it and 1,373 apartments. Wow. So when police came to help look for him and like start canvassing apartments, like trying to do that in a timely manner is not going to help Right? because we know like once a kid is missing, you got to get on finding them immediately. Yeah. The search block for him was 24, or the search radius was 24 blocks. And this apartment playground that they were at was about three blocks north of the north end of Central Park. Okay. And like Central Park is two and a half miles long, half a mile wide. It's got like woods to it. It's got lawns. It's got seven different bodies of water throughout it so it's like once you get so far like they had they brought in tracking dogs to follow his scent it got as far as the edge of the park and then went couldn't find him anymore so who knows he could have been in a vehicle he could have gone further into the park we don't know they did search um as best they could throughout the park and all of that but i mean spoiler not only is this episode depressing (laughs) I didn't find them. <laughs> and and how can I, really? like? Yes, yes. I'm not going to be able to find the end of this story, which is unfortunate. But I do like and bless the hearts of those mothers for keeping that hope. Yeah. I would like to think I would be the same, but it's just like, how does that not destroy you? You know, so I just
1: now i had a question and i don't know if you know the answer to this but allison obviously again had left christopher with her mother yeah and the mother was was interviewed in the episode as well i believe wasn't she
0: i don't think so i thought she was uh maybe i'm uh, wrong one of her sisters was i thought no i thought it was a sister of hers was that her mother? Because if that was her mother, she I looks her great. Mother, I think it was her mother. I think she's very young. Um, oh, wow. Good I also her.
1: love that this is the first time I've ever stumped you. Again, this is really a testament to how disturbing we found this episode. Um, but I, I guess my bigger question is, how does that affect your relationship with your mother? Not that, obviously, I'm sure it was, you know... I mean, do you have an answer about that? Or was that face just about like, oh, boy.
0: Um, I can tell you this. If I was in allison's position yeah sure i would be like you know what this this happens it could have happened on my watch right and i'm gonna say i don't blame her but i'm i'm yeah. gonna i'm never gonna be able to look at her the same way again Is oh. kind of how i think it would go Like, I would spend my life being really super, super angry at her for being like, why did you look away in that moment? Why weren't you looking closer? And who knows? She could have maybe looked away for like a split second. Right. Because that's all it takes. And the thing is, no matter how angry she is, you know that this woman is never, no one's going to be more angry at this woman than this woman probably is. And it probably like eats her up that she was any part of it so yeah oh yeah and i mean it's not her fault i don't blame her in any way because whatever happened to him wasn't her right so yeah i just i mean it's a it's a shitty situation it really is and i'm sure it did not help any relationship that they would have had yeah um no, that's a good point.
1: What were the other details? I mean, I feel like all I remember was that the police kind of did do a search, but then it's questionable, like, how hard did they search? How well did they search? Again, I don't know if there was any sort of racial bias. This was 1989. It was obviously a predominantly black area at that time. You know, I, that was kind of my concern as I was watching this, was like, are they really trying? Um, you know, are they really I are mean, they exhausting everything? Sure.
0: Great question. I mean, they did get, they had helicopters out. They did canvas, um, all of these buildings. They, uh, went through the lake. They took divers to the lake. That was the closest right, uh, inside of Central Park there. Um, the dogs that led them to that street. But it's like, I'm, I don't know how much there would be like cameras in and around that area at that point. So, I'm guessing it's like a once the, once the dogs don't have a trail, then they're like, well, I don't know what to do. So I right. think... I don't know if they necessarily, like, didn't try enough. I think it was just like a, well, what are our options, really? Right. Because New York is massive. It is. It definitely is. Even just, like, that small area he was in is just, like, anybody could just go missing. I'm actually like I looked into like if any other kids had gone missing from this particular uh, set of buildings because this building is like it's like almost like a three block square more like almost I guess more of a rectangle. But it's like a huge thing and then these 10 massive buildings that are like 14 floors high each and like there's trees everywhere and so it's like it could so somebody could get so easily lost in there. Right. I'm shocked that more children hadn't gone missing from that area and especially being so close to Central Park and then like a few blocks the other way there's uh, a river whose name I can't think of. I don't know. It's near Manhattan or something. Again, I New York is not my thing. I don't really get it. (laughs) But as a
1: concept you don't really get New York.
0: Well, I mean, I get it, but I mean, I have seen a miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Well, several times. (laughs) Both versions. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying. I, uh, I've, I mean, keep in mind, I go to Toronto, and I'm like, oh, this is huge. Yeah. And I'm overwhelmed, so I can't imagine how I would feel in New York. God, I'd fucking clean up there. You would. You really would.
1: Also, I just want to point out that when you have come to visit me here in L.A., when we get on the freeways, she has been known to close her eyes because she's like, (laughs) it's terrifying. (laughs) Which I get, it is terrifying on these freeways, but it is adorable.
0: Yeah, I will. I mean, I get, I have gotten more and more nervous and more and more anxious about everything uh, the further into my life I get.
1: Right. Thank you you for using the term
0: further into my life and not older because I think that that's honoring honoring
1: the journey that we're on which I I, like
0: I don't know what's going on but I'm like I'm feeling it today and I'm just in a weird mood and there's I've complimented myself multiple times tonight already which is unheard of I love it I'm here for it I'm just feeling it so I'm just like yeah yeah who wouldn't want this bitch (laughs) again Again, this takes me back to the death row fugitive, where there was so much tension. Yep. Because of the episode and like the heaviness of it. Because we and, were like,
1: talking about a child murder. Yes.
0: I'm going yeah. To continue. We like, yeah. How are we gonna? How are we gonna handle that? And how's it gonna go? And our brains just shut off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and,
0: and pajama pants bailiff yep. was born. Yeah. You know.
1: Absolutely. Well, one may
0: say she was born. Early 80s, but that's that's neither here nor there. But I feel like it's the same kind of energy where it's just like, it's tense because you're like, this is missing children and it's devastating. And I, I spent the episode because as you know, I rewatched. So I had to watch it again. And uh, I just wanted to know, did any of those producers hold that woman because like the one did fairly well like trying to keep herself together and the other one you could just see her falling apart and i was like somebody hold her yeah pause the recording hold her like even show i want to see someone showing me their human side get in there hold her because she needed it she did don't just stand there and film her tears get in there be a human. Be a an human. Order.
1: And you know what? I just wanted to quickly double I back. What, uh, I wanted to double back just very quickly because uh, yeah. talking about how we, our brains shut off because of whatever and mm-hmm. that it was like, oh, yeah. we went crazy. That connects us to another episode, which was which Friends cast member would we be? And that does make <laughs> me feel like we're Chandler making jokes when we feel uncomfortable. So, oh
0: my God. Put that
1: into the mix. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Well, I look forward to the day we start talking about what other cast members, like, we got to start thinking what other shows. You know, so mm-hmm. that by the end of this, which is not for decades, if I have my way. Thank you very much. But at the end of this, I can have like books because in my mind it would be fun to make books out of it. I just want <laughs> books of like these. Are, this is this is the photo album of who I would be if I was all these different TV characters. Oh, I love that!
1: I love that! I thought I think you that meant, would be
0: fantastic.
1: I thought you meant that you would spend like time transcribing all of our words from every episode.
0: Uh, well, that's a lofty goal I don't hate.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my God, I like, love look, it. If there's a market for it.
1: Yeah, look, if listen, I mean, if, if people want to read, you know,
0: pages and <laughs> pages
1: and <laughs> pages of dialogue, sure, that's fine. Why
0: not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, look, if, if, if there was an interest and I did it, it would, it would be, it's been a dream of mine, as you know, to sell a book. And oh, even though that's yes. not really my book. Isn't it, it It's close enough. It's close enough. Yeah. Well, who doesn't want to read this bitch? Like, <laughs> the, amount <of> t- <laughs> the amount of times I say that. What I like, you know? what I would like is
1: if you turned it into, like, prose. So, it, you wrote it as though oh. it's like, who wouldn't want this
0: bitch, she said with a sly grin. You know what
1: I mean? Like, then you kind of made it like, well, I guess it's bordering on fan fiction i
0: guess you want me to make our own fan fiction (laughs) no no because i can yeah but
1: did i do you remember when i used to write that chopped fan fiction yes it was hot yes speaking about us complimenting ourselves listen dear listeners you can can still find it it. you can still find my chopped fan fiction i broke my foot one year i was laid up it was really a precursor to the pandemic quarantine you know what i mean anyway I got bored so I got into online shopping and then the other thing I got into was writing Chopped fan fiction and it got steamy it got steamy if you're not a fan of Chopped it is of course a cooking competition show on the Food Network and it's a whole it's a barrel of laughs I will say my my sweet boyfriend I was trying to get him to watch it and he was being very nice but I could tell that maybe maybe mm. he wasn't
0: that into it and I was
1: but, but the this basket's one it's
0: not for everyone yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he opens his basket, it's empty Anyway, I um, yeah. So then I put it on, let me tell you a little something it Took him about three minutes And he was hooked And I could not have been happier He also recently revealed to me We watched Hamilton His idea, because he'd never seen it He didn't care for it, and I was like But at the time, he told me that he liked it And then I was like, it's very sweet That you were trying to save my feelings But then also, like, you don't have to like Hamilton Like, I'm okay with that
0: I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. I know. Listen. I know. I should. And I know that. But I'm also worried because is this going to be applauding rap battles again? Like, I don't know how this.
1: Listen, here's the thing. Here's what I will say. Was... And I say this with love, but. I do – and listen, I loved it. I loved the, the Disney Plus filmed version, but I do think that it does – like for me, part of it was like being there and experiencing it live. I do feel like it okay. kind of loses a little bit personally. Again, that's no shade to Hamilton. I love it so much. I also – this is not a name drop. I was at a at an event in New York a couple of years ago, and Lin-Manuel Miranda showed up randomly – and someone was like, oh, I'll introduce you. And I was like, don't do it. And they were like, no, no, come on. It's fine. I know him. And I was like, this is bad. And they walked over. And, they, and they, he was like, they were like, hey, Lynn, this is Lauren Ash. She's from Superstore. And he goes, oh, of course. You're great on that show. And I went, huh. I just stared. Just stared at him. And then I was like, it's nice to meet you. What I wanted to say is, your music changed my life. <laughs> What I wanted to say is, I had an emotional reaction to everything you've written. Again, I, you know, I played it cool, but some would say sure. maybe too cool by, by you know, not speaking words.
0: Like I will say, I may not be in be familiar with uh, his work in Hamilton, but my youngest was obsessed with Moana. There you go, and that soundtrack. I never got tired of it. He didn't have to go that hard for us, but he did. He did. And I appreciate it. Absolutely. It was, that that soundtrack is phenomenal. And I, I will die on this mountain. That's the, to me, that's the best thing he's ever done. And that's huge to say for someone who's never seen the <laughs> hugest thing he's ever done. But to me, that's just old timey eight mile.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I love it so much. I love this. it so much. Anyway, back to the stolen kids. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so the, yep. co- the yep. cops look for Christopher again. They, yeah. It does sound like they did exhaust a lot of things, but again, this was 1989. We didn't necessarily have the same technology we have now, unfortunately. Right. So then I guess we're cutting forward to August 10th of the same year, yes. 1989. And again, yeah. it's a, it, the park is crowded once again, which I that was something that stood out to me in the episode that I guess maybe it wasn't huge news. Like, it it surprised me that Christopher had been taken from the park and that months later it was still packed. You know, I guess for me it would be like if I ever heard any sort of tale of a child being taken, I would definitely be like, we're not going to that one, but again, I don't know. I just thought um, it was like, I guess part of me was like, was it kind of like you know, kind of brushed aside in the news. Was that something that had gone on potentially? I don't know.
0: Well, the mother of the second kid, Shane, in this August part, she made a comment of she had never heard about Christopher going missing. She'd never heard of Christopher. And she lived, obviously, like, again, there's almost 1,400 right. apartments, so they're not going to hear about everybody. But you would think, again, police were supposed to canvass. Everywhere. So you think she would have heard about it. If not personally, she would have heard from neighbors or anybody who lives in there in that area that she knows of that. It's like, oh, my God, did you hear that this kid went missing?
1: Right. That is interesting. So to I'm me. guessing
0: a lot of people just didn't know about it. And that's why. That's where they went. And they said it was also like really hot. Right. And who knows? I doubt there's air conditioning in most of those apartments. So.
1: And apartments get hot, man. Wow. Yeah. So
0: take the kids outside. The closest place you have is that playground. So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So August 10th, 1989, Shane, his mother is Rosa. Yeah. And it's a crowded day in the park once again. And then she said that two kids, a boy and a girl, approached Rosa to ask to play with Shane. Now, these kids, she said, were what, like seven, eight, nine? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Shane at this point was how old?
0: Uh, 19 months
1: Nineteen months. so it's a little yeah. bit weird like I get it like I know that kids at, at you know 8, 9, 10 I think really love little babies and, and toddlers and yeah. stuff like that so I can see there being that kind of interest like oh I want to play with that cute little kid but she did say that she she said no to these kids right
0: yeah, yeah. and that they, they persisted and they just like wouldn't leave her alone about it and it's like sure maybe they were like it's a cute kid I want to play with them but it's like but if the park was crowded, what are the odds of there being another kid you could have gone to play with? Right. So, I i mean, that's a red flag to me that these kids purposely came over and just wouldn't leave her alone until she said, yeah, okay, you can play with him. Because I, I, I again, I am not blaming this mother. She has done nothing wrong. Of course. Um, I just i don't think i would say yes my kid can go play with you because you're strangers to me and he's so little that i would just be like he i'm not gonna have him go with a stranger yeah so i'm good uh but he went with these kids right and she looked away and she looks back and she can't see them anywhere then suddenly she sees these two kids again and she approaches them and she's like well where's shane and they're like oh yeah he went over there somewhere And that was it. And suddenly Shane can't be found. Police have to be called. They still haven't found him. The police talked to these kids and it just seemed they were just kids at the park and they knew nothing else. And it's like, I don't buy that for a second. No, I truly believe that somebody wanted these kids. And in this case, they used other kids to go get them, to lure these kids out, to a place, to a vehicle, to something because it's weird to have these kids push and push and as the mother being like, no, I don't, I'm we're good, and then just keep pushing them until you finally get the kid. There's just something not right about that. It does feel you know? not
1: right, and it also feels like, you know, they talk about, you know, I remember, you know, street proofing when you're a little kid. They talk about, like, tactics that people will use. So, for example... If you're say a ten year old kid, it could be like, "Hey, my dog's missing. Can you help me find him?" Like that was always one that I remember being, you know what right. I mean. And, yeah. But that's for an older child. If we're talking about a toddler here, we're talking about a nineteen year, a nineteen month old. It is. It does strike me as being an interesting tactic to get other kids of yours or or whoever to to lure the child. That does feel like it's a much easier play than, of course, an adult trying to lure that child and you know from a parent it does feel like it would be a you know a very dark um but arguably like brilliant in their nefarious brilliance it is you know it is
0: definitely the smarter move because mostly small children are going to be afraid of someone that's like taller or like an adult they don't know or something so you get someone less i can't even think of the word you get somebody that's less intimidating, I guess, and what's more, inti- what's less intimidating than, like, a child. Yeah. And to them, it's like a playmate. So who knows? But it's like the odds that, this, that these kids come over and then suddenly the kid's just never seen again and the fact that they were really, really pushing to play with him where yeah. it's like, what are you going to get out of playing with this kid? You have no idea who this kid is. Yeah. So it's just, it's weird to me and I'm... I would like to see the footage of their interrogation. I know they didn't get interrogated; they just asked them a couple of questions. Yeah, but I'd be uh, and where are their parents? On
1: yeah, where are their parents in all of this? Who were their parents? Yeah, you know? I don't know.
0: Yeah, interesting. There's a lot of questions.
1: Well, I know that you've located a similar case, but we're gonna have to take a break first, and then we're gonna come back. And I want to hear all about that. Is it connected to these cases? Is it not? Well, we're gonna get into it. So, go get yourself a drink, refill it. Hit the shitter. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be right back. What's up, everybody? This is Lauren Ash, and I hope you are enjoying this episode of True Crime and Cocktails Unsolved Mysteries Edition. A couple of quick reminders. If you're looking for any of the visuals Christy mentions in this or any of our episodes of the podcast, make sure to follow us at True Crime and Cocktails on Instagram. There she posts a case file with all the relevant visuals for each episode of the show. If that's not enough for you, you want a little bit more? Go to our website, truecrimeandcocktails.com. There Christy posts extensive virtual case files. This is literally every Everything she finds in her research. It's a treasure trove of deep dives, and it's all there for your enjoyment. Also, on the website, you can find our full unedited Zoom episodes of the show if you'd like to watch rather than listen. And make sure to give us a follow on Facebook at True Crime and Cocktails. Twitter, at NotDetectives, and the most important piece of information, if you like the show, please, wherever you listen to it, give us a nice rating. Go on to Apple. Leave us a nice review. I know it sounds like a silly cliche, but the truth is, it really goes a long way in this crazy podcast world, and your support means the world to us. But enough about all that. Get yourself another drink, sit back, and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back, everyone, to True Crime and Cocktails Unsolved Mysteries Edition. We are discussing, of course, Stolen Kids, the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, uh, the, the final one of this new batch of Unsolved Mysteries episodes. So that's also exciting for us. Now, of course, we're talking about two children that went missing, and you found a similar case. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, by similar, I mean a boy who went missing in the same year. Very, very young. His name is Andre Bryant. He's still missing to this day as well, which is another thing. This is in March of 1989. Uh, His mother, Monique, was about 25. She's walking with her three young children in Brooklyn. So it's like a little bit away from where they were in Harlem, but not that far. I think it's like less than 12 miles away. And so his mother's walking with her three kids. She's approached by two women. These women, they start talking. One of them asks if she can hold Andre, who is about a month old at this point. Then they convince that Monique and her children should just go shopping with them. So she goes shopping with them. They buy her an outfit. She goes home that night and tells her husband, like, they bought me these clothes. Uh, I think they used a stolen credit card. I'm going shopping again with them tomorrow. So the next day, uh, Monique is supposed to go with these women and the women call and they're like, make sure you bring Andre with you because we really want to go. We really want to hang out with him and with you and whatever. And so she's like, great. So she has her mother, I believe, hang out and babysit her uh, older children. And she takes this one month old baby with her. And the last time Monique or Andre is seen is getting into this vehicle with these women at 2 p.m. Uh, the next morning, Monique's body is found in uh, woods near Brook, near the Bronx, uh, about 20 miles away. Um, she'd been struck in the head and then strangled. And Andre has never been found since. Wow. So when you go on like a missing kids website, they do have this case linked to Shane and Christopher, because i mean they were very young children they were boys they were all three were african american so it's like maybe who knows like the fact that they all went missing within months of each other in 1989 is crazy i don't believe this one is probably the same people in any way i mean yes they were all boys and all of that but andre was it was such violent it was so violent compared to the other two. The other two, they just like snuck in and ninjaed those kids out, right? Like it was so yeah. quiet, no one noticed a thing, or if they noticed, they didn't say. Whereas this, they pushed and pushed until they like killed her. Which, well, I mean, the only,
1: the only thing I would offer to that, yeah, I hear you absolutely. And listen, I, I may be getting ahead of myself here, but if this was a situation. Even if, if – whether it was that they were maybe wanting to, to take this baby as one of their own or if it was, you know, taking this baby to, to sell to a family, like a like an underground adoption situation, mm-hmm. I would guess that the younger the baby, the, the more money you would probably get because True. if someone's adopting a child. So is it, you know, is it enough money to kill for? I mean, that's – I mean, that's a <laughs> – That's an objective question, question. but it it does, it is strike me that he was, again, so young that he was only a month old and that it did kind of end in this grisly way. I mean, it's, 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 it's gotta be difficult unless you're frequenting or working in a hospital. It's gotta probably be difficult to take a infant of that young an age is all I'm saying. So I I guess for me... (laughs) I'm like, well, I mean, you know, it, it, it's a hard to come by, you know, um, age. I would think, um, which again is all of this is just so horrifying to talk about. Yep. It's, it's making my making my stomach turn. To be honest with you, it's why
0: we turn into uh, Miss chenandler Bong <laughs> 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 because yep, when we're uncom- right. when we're uncomfortable, we go with the jokes and. Suddenly you know the clown rolls in. Nice.
1: That's what else we do. Again, the
0: fact that that's not, <sighs> that's not our uh, specific law and order dum-dum, you know? Like,
1: <laughs> that's the sound of a can. Yeah,
0: that feels like... Or a champagne cork popping. Oh,
1: I would like Ooh, that. That would be
0: nice. I also love that I didn't think about it until earlier when my phone went off with a text, but my text tone has been the law and order dum-dum for like the last eight years so yeah you think i'd be sick of it by now but i'm not i'm really not again charles
1: dickens if he wrote this story people would be like we get it this is meant to be <gasps> it's fate he also would
0: have written in ghosts <gasps> oh my god yeah i'm just saying we're we're yeah. living we're living fucking dickens we really are god i should have read really a are. single one of his books
1: Well, listen, the chapter about you in your 20s is going to be called Great Sexpectations. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) She knew what she had and how to use it.
1: (laughs) Yep, she did. (laughs) Absolutely. Meanwhile, I'm just like Miss Havisham, just sitting off to the side in a dirty old wedding
0: gown. (laughs) Look, I think I've transitioned into that.
1: Listen, it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. She Other seemed than, happy. You know,
0: the no, she seemed happy overall. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well. You haven't read that nope, book. No, have I you? really haven't. Yep, yep. Not happy. Not a happy <laughs> okay, lady. Okay. Anyway, was, I took a stab. It didn't. It didn't you did. work out. You it did. didn't work out. Well, listen, I like it. All yeah. right.
1: So, okay. So you know, are those cases connect connected? Christopher, Shane, and Andre. It's hard to say, but you know, I've kind of tapped uh, tapped on it. I've. <laughs> kind of tiptoed around it now I my question for you is do you know anything about the potential of some sort of black market adoption ring you know was that something that that existed at that time I mean it's also possible that it could have and we would never know but I'm curious if if you knew anything about that
0: well I want you to hold on to your hat because I know a fuckload (laughs) wow again wow i apologize occasionally like an occasional f-bomb or a curse sure but what is this sailor i've brought with me today ahoy matey (laughs) (laughs) i uh i'm out of control i love it so i mean yes Is, is are the three connected specifically who knows i feel like the two christopher and shane absolutely are uh, mainly because they're the same; they were taken from the same playground, but also something that caught my eye watching the episode, and didn't sit well with me. They were both taken on a Thursday. Oh, isn't that weirdly specific? Like, what are the odds? Yes, it was. It was hot and crowded, and it just so happened to be a Thursday both of those days. You can't tell me it was like somebody's day off or that was their day being in that area or however that works. I'm also completely convinced it has something to do with a black market adoption ring. There are two, I mean, I, there are I'm sure a lot and I can't really think about it, but we'd also don't have the time to go into like, probably the disgusting right. amount that there are. But there are two in particular that I found that are of note. One being Child Haven of Northeastern Pennsylvania. So this started in 1984. It was founded by Lawrence and Harriet Lauer with the help of their lawyer and rabbi <laughs> Seymour Fenichel, Fenichel, something like that. Okay. We're just going to call him Seymour so it's less painful for me. Yeah. So they would lure pregnant women who were willing to potentially sell their babies. They'd meet with them in parking lots or like an elevator at a hospital oh to take God. the baby. They put ads in newspapers looking for pregnant women. They often intimidated women into giving up their babies. Their reach was about 21 states and even into parts of Canada. Their opera- over their operation, they handled about 20 to 40 adoptions a year.
1: Wow, that seems high. It does,
0: yeah. Uh, The mothers were paid about $2,000. Some claim that they were given more. Some couples paid up to $36,000 for a child. And keep in mind, that is 1984 money. That's not now. Wow. Some couples paid up to $16,000 only to be told that the birth mother miscarried or changed changed her mind and sorry you're not getting a kid and sorry you're not getting your money back so really these people were just like anything to scam people out of money Uh, they ended up being shut down in 1988 the police found out about them because a set of parents that paid money and got nothing complained which that is gotta take balls to be like by the way I was trying to illegally purchase a child Right. And they screwed me up. Like, I'm willing to go to the police and be like, hey, get these guys. Well, it worked and they got shut down. So these three, plus Seymour's daughter, were indicted on 144 counts of child trafficking, falsifying birth records, grand larceny, conspiracy, fraud, perjury, and making false statements. Here's where it gets real fun. Oh, God. They avoided trial by pleading guilty. Huh. They took a plea deal that allowed them no jail time. <laughs> For all of those crimes. Wow. Uh, Seymour, who was the rabbi slash lawyer, which is a show I would watch the hell out of, but that's not the <laughs> point. Can I be yep. his bailiff? Nope. Nope. Let's <laughs> let's keep on track, Christy. Um. He was sentenced to five years probation and 2,000 hours of community service in 1990, and then he died in 1994. So he never really... uh, None of them really had any sort of... There was no comeuppance, you know? Like, there was nothing, and it's really kind of frustrating. In 2010, a Facebook group was started in an attempt to locate all of the children involved to try and help them to find their birth parents. One such girl... Her, like, I found that this particular place was started in 1984, but apparently they had been starting working. They, they were like dipping their toe in the, uh, steal a child and sell it to somebody else kind of waters earlier. Because in 1977, uh, this woman gave birth to a baby. Uh, they, she was only 18 at the time. She was terrified. She wasn't married. She didn't know what she was going to do with her life. So they convinced her, we're going to take your baby. We're going to give you money. You'll be fine. Well, this child has grown up, uh, to be a woman named Sarah. These, she ended up getting in contact with her birth mother who ended up actually staying with this girl's biological father. So, and they have four other daughters. So this girl who grew up, grew up an only child, now suddenly has four sisters. And she said there isn't even need for a DNA test, which I'm sure they did anyway. But she said, they look just like me. She's like, it's the first time in my whole life I've ever seen anybody like me. And this is from like 1977, and they didn't meet till like the 2010s. So they were apart for that long. And then they found her. So I mean, again, there's that tiny glimmer of hope, right? So I feel like this is like the, I mean, obviously there are a lot of stories that don't end this way, but the fact that there are some at all, that's gotta say something, right?
1: Absolutely. And listen, it's such a unfortunate scenario and and chain of events and all of the above, and I'm sure it's a very kind of nuanced uh, situation for that family, but yeah, wow, that must be a truly unbelievable uh, discovery especially at that point in your life which is great
0: yeah. okay so that
1: was the first one you said you had, yes. you had found you said there was another one
0: yeah well buckle up true crew because this one is the worst oh no i'm really sure there's worse ones but i can't i can't think sure about it. no no
1: I, and i think yeah. listen we're providing you know a good amount of information and then we can you know just not, not provide more yeah.
0: uh and i'm just gonna <laughs> preface this with saying if I'm going to call this woman who ran this particular one a bitch, I'm not saying it in the fun way where I'm like this bitch. Like that's like fun and playful and I'm saying it about myself and that's fine. When I'm calling her a bitch, it's in the negative way. Makes- uh because this woman was a horrifying human being. Oh, no. So There's this, there was, well, we'll get into the name of it later. Uh, So there's this woman named Georgia Tan. She wanted to be a judge like her father, but her father forbade it. Uh, So she went into social work because it was one of the few socially acceptable positions for a woman of her esteemed background. So she went to work in Mississippi, but was fired for inappropriately removing children from impoverished homes without cause. So now this is like, this is also going way the fuck back. So in 1929, she started the Tennessee Children's Home Society. Essentially, it was an elaborate network of people like corrupt social workers, police officers, doctors, lawyers and judges who kidnapped children to sell to wealthy adoptive parents for a steep profit. She targeted rich and famous people like actors, authors, entertainers, governors. Oh most boy. notably, Dick Powell, who apparently was a singer-actor in the uh, in that time. But the names that caught my eye, Lana Turner. And in 1947, Joan Crawford adopted her <gasps> twins from this woman. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... This Georgia bitch, oh yeah, I guess it sounds the same whether I'm being playful or mean, but either way, way. (laughs) her favorite way of getting children was she had a really, really fancy car. So she would drive through like the really impoverished neighborhoods and pick out what she called the prettiest children and then offer them a ride in her really shiny black luxury car. And then once they got in the car, they never went home. She would, they would also kidnap children. And when I say they, I'm talking like these social workers, police officers, doctors, all of these people, they would kidnap them from preschools and churches and playgrounds. They especially liked to go after the poor children because they knew their families didn't have the means to fight them. She also liked that to have co-conspirators who were authority figures because people felt like they couldn't contradict them. Like, who's going to believe you over a cop kind of a thing. And sometimes they would coerce mothers into signing their children away while the mothers were still partially sedated from the surgeries of, you know, from C-sections. Oh, my God. She placed ads in newspapers with titles, like, with a picture of children. And it would say, they'd like to be your Christmas gift. Or, Nancy, just 11 months old, needs a home. Can you say no? No. Like, yeah. Oh my God. It was shut down at, in 1949 after running for 21 years. It's believed that she made, in today's money, like $11 million and that oh she was God. taking like 90% of this profit for herself. One of the worst parts, she was never held accountable. Three days after the news of the scam was made public, she died. She had an untreated, uh, untreated uterine cancer, and she slipped into a coma and died. So she never had anything come of it, but she went all over the place, stole these children, sold them to people. Um, At one point, she had like a Christmas raffle. She created a baby catalog, essentially, in the 1940s, And then she did a Christmas baby giveaway in the newspaper where you could buy for $25 a ticket that would go into this raffle. And she raffled off 20 to 30 babies at this Christmas thing every year. And it was like a huge hit because so many people wanted uh, babies and they didn't really care how they got them. And then she would also go even further and be like, you know what? Terrible news. The parents of that baby, they actually want the baby back. But you know what? If you pay this steep legal fee, we'll make it go away. So, like, this woman was awful. This woman is a demon. Like, that's not human. It also just, I can't even really think about the fact that she never had anything come of it, right? Yeah. So, one of the children in this situation, there was a NASCAR driver... Uh, Named Jean Tapia. Him and his wife Francine had a baby in September of 1942. Well, this Georgia woman and her people kidnapped this baby from the hospital. So they never even got to see the baby. It was like baby whisked away from them. We need to do some tests. We're going to check on the baby. They don't think anything of it. And the baby is gone. 47 years later in 1990 they finally got to meet their son wow they actually got to go face to face with him i'm not 100 percent on details of how they found him but it all came out once this woman uh admitted everything that she'd done and people knew what was going on and so people just started like realizing we got to like look for these children we got to look for these parents and somehow they got put in touch with each other and obviously did test to make sure that he was their son and he they met him their son for the first time when he was 47 years old Wow, which is devastating but at the same time like i can't even imagine like yeah who, who knew that they would ever get that chance but like 47 years felt uh crazy to me it does feel crazy and
1: you know listen you talk about you know adoption which i think is a you know legal legal uh, consensual adoption I think is a beautiful thing yeah. I think there's a lot of children that need homes and I think that it's you know a, a beautiful thing and of course you hear those stories about adopted children who eventually reconnect with their birth families and usually yeah. there's you know reason and and all of those kinds of things but this I mean the idea that it's like this child was just kidnapped was just taken and that that's the reason it, it wasn't like you know you would had, had willfully given the child up because of your circumstance right you know that that it, of course is still emotional don't get me wrong but yeah. the idea of 47 years later finding your child who had been taken shortly after birth yeah. i mean that's intense i mean it feels like a movie yeah yeah
0: it is yeah. like it's wow it's a lot again it's it's, it's been a week <laughs> i mean there's the national center for missing and exploited children and they maintain this extensive database of all the missing children who are reported missing. If, if a child has been reported missing and haven't that case isn't closed or they have not been found, they're going to be on there. They have a staff of four artists whose sole job is to create digitally enhanced age progression photos. The show did have some age progression photos. As of December 3rd, 2020, 251 kids are still missing in New York alone like the numbers of missing kids I can't really think too much about it however due to this age progression technology and the uh, internet becoming as huge as it is and the creation of the Amber Alert system the recovery rate of missing children has increased from sixty-two percent, which is what it was in like nineteen eighty-four when this started, to ninety-seven percent now. Wow! So that's amazing. That feels fantastic. Obviously, a hundred would be ideal, but of course. You know. But that is very hopeful. But that is very hopeful. Yes, that is definitely the right direction. And one of these kids that was found. This was the was mentioned on the episode in August of nineteen eighty-seven. A baby named Carlina White was kidnapped from a hospital in Harlem. She was only 19 days old. She was running a fever. Her parents were worried. They took her to the hospital. A woman dressed as a nurse was like, I'll take her, I'll be right back. She never came back. Years later, 24 years later, while trying to apply for college, Carlina finds out her social insurance number is fake and that her mother had abducted her when she was a baby so in so the woman who had posed as a nurse yes took this took this child
1: and raised her as her own yes
0: wow. apparently she had me- recently uh miscarried and just mentally wasn't handling it and just i mean i can't even imagine and she just dressed like a nurse went and found a baby and was like perfect this one will do they literally handed her the baby because she, she's a nurse what else do you do right uh, so in 2011 this girl who was born carlina white who is now nedra nance was reunited with her birth parents after 24 years wow so i mean that's something Right? I mean... And that's... Uh, oh, absolutely.
1: And I think that those are the stories, obviously, that are that are amazing in all of this is, is that, you know, wow, the fact that she, she managed... Unfortunately, it took that long, but but it's amazing that she did eventually get to connect with them. Now, my question when I heard that story in the episode yeah. was, I wonder what kind of childhood and life she had with that mother. Because... You know, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pass judgment. Sure. She's taken a child. Oh yeah, she's, she's taken a baby for her own, you know, wants, yes. and that is awful. And so that doesn't necessarily strike me as somebody who would be a great mother. Uh, now I don't know if people are gonna come at me about that, but I would say if you steal a baby, <laughs> I'm saying my I'm skeptical. You I'm skeptical a there. Child, okay, you're done. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yes. yes, exactly. Bring her into my court. I got some yes. things to say. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm just curious because the I don't know why my hearing that story, um, my heart was breaking for a million reasons. Sure. But one of them was that I was like, wow, I wonder what that life was like. My hope upon hopes is that this was a woman who went through a troubled time, did something that was terrible, but was a great mom. That is my hope beyond hope. Sure. this you know taken child had a good life because you know the idea again that somebody who maybe is um you know acts in that way again i think that's pretty extreme now sure. I, I, are we going to get letters from listeners that are like you're being too mean i hope not because again i'm i'm speaking i'm using the fact that she dresses a nurse and then s- stole people's baby as as a i think that's a fairer thing to judge don't you that's a fair thing to judge well,
0: i mean judge. i feel like the word that comes to mind for me is desperate. Yes. She was desperate for a child. She wanted to, you know, have that experience and it just wasn't working for her. And she was devastated by the recent loss of her child and she just couldn't think of another thing to do than to bring another child in And what's a safer way than having a child that's already here and you don't have to worry about a pregnancy or whatever. Again, I don't condone what she did. It's a lot. I mean, I don't... I haven't read too much about Carlina, but I don't think her childhood was negative.
1: Because, right. I mean, she, that she makes went me her feel whole better. life
0: not having a clue that anything was up. So right. I don't think her childhood was terrible, but at the same time... I mean, who's going to love you more than the parents who wanted you that, you know,
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I guess you yeah. could argue that this woman deeply wanted her as well. But True. but again, it just, to me, it's, you know, there's a lot of people, obviously, that deeply want children that can't have them for a multitude of, of very sad reasons. And they're not all going and stealing babies.
0: Oh, point, yeah. She you know? didn't go about this the right way. <laughs> there could have been so many other ways to handle this. But she just had a moment and... Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. But I mean, if you like that story of like yeah. people being reunited. I do. I've got more for you. I'd love to hear them. There's this guy named Steve Carter. He was adopted as a child. He saw Carlina's story on the news and had a thought of like, you know what? Maybe it's time. I need to look into my background. I need to check out my past he starts like browsing things online. He ends up on a page for missing children and he finds a photo of himself as a baby. (laughs) Oh, wow. He finds that's wild. Yeah. Uh, he finds out now this was in 2012. He finds out that he was actually born Mark's Panama Barnes. He was taken by his mother from his home in Hawaii in 1977 when he was six months old. She changed their names and shortly after she was admitted to a psychiatric hospital and then she was discharged and she took off. So he was left in the system and was adopted out by a lovely family. And he grew up to have a great childhood and all of that. But 35 years after going missing, he was finally able to find out who he was and wow. and meet his dad.
1: So again, so this was his biological mother yes. that took him. And, yes. Wow. Because, so
0: he met his father. Yeah. Because the, mo- the biological mother has not been seen since. Wow. She left that psychiatric hospital, never looked back. She just vanished. So I don't know why she was admitted there in the first place, but I don't know. It's just... wow. It's, it's nice to have that hope of, like, after that many years. Well, know? and this is
1: the thing, right? Hearing these stories when it's, you know, 20, 30, 47 years, it does give you hope that, that, you know, I I really do hope that, you know, Christopher and Shane and Andre all do eventually get reunited with their families. I mean, of course, it's way too late, and it's, it's always a tragedy, no matter how you slice it, but... Um, you know, this does give me hope that I, I hope that they do end up becoming reunited. And I yeah. hope that, that being on Unsolved Mysteries really kind of gives this a platform so that it gets more eyes on it. And maybe someone will see a similarity. Um yeah. Now, are there other cases? Are there uh, other cases?
0: There are. There is similar to Carlina's story by being kidnapped by a woman that was dressed as a nurse. Oh, it's ugh. a huge thing. It was Is it? Everywhere in this. Like, I, there are so many cases that I didn't bring up that that's how it started. But similar to her, this girl was born. Forgive me. I'm not sure. Kimye Mobley in 1998. uh, She was taken from a hospital in Florida when she was eight hours old. Oh, my God. The kidnapper raised the child as her own. And she was so close with her, and their relationship was so tight that this woman broke down and told her in 2017 that you're actually not my daughter. I did kidnap you when you were a baby. The daughter chose to stay silent. Interesting. The police got a tip of this girl's real identity. So they approached her, and it came out she is, in fact, this uh, Kimye, but she was her, she was currently going by the name Alexis and she'd been missing for 19 years and she was reunited with her birth mother. The woman who abducted her did go to jail. She's serving 18 years for abducting her. Alexis or Kimye or Kimya, however we're gonna say that, still is in contact with her, with the woman in prison and still refers to her as her mom. Because again, they were super tight. She had a great relationship with her her whole life. And then it's like, you're not actually mine. And the kid was just like, I kind of am. You know, like it's just (laughs) that that was it. Wow, that's interesting. The other thing I thought you might like about that particular case it's the basis for a Lifetime movie that came out in January. Ah. Yeah. What's it called? Stolen by my mother the Kimye Kimya Mobley story it stars Nisi Nash which let's get on board because who doesn't fucking love her of course have you seen Claws oh my I have not oh my fucking god if you want female empowerment and if you want to feel like a badass bitch that's what primes you (laughs) because well you've clearly been watching it on repeat (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 That's uh, watching her be a badass makes me feel like brandy without the brandy. Oh my god, she might be my spirit animal. How many spirit animals can you have? (laughs) Wow, yeah, I love her so much. Okay, okay, yeah,
1: I'm processing a lot right now, and you're gonna love what I'm. No, you're gonna love what I'm going back to. When are we watching this Lifetime movie? Like that's. High on my list.
0: Absolutely.
1: So I'm assuming that Niecy Nash then, does she play the kidnapping mom?
0: Bingo. (laughs) (gasps) I can't wait for this. Yeah, Yeah, it came out in January. We need to, like, really what we need to do is start a list for the next time we're able to be in the same room. Like, I don't have a pen, so we're just going to use this as our list. One. We're gonna We're gonna wanna watch Stolen by My Mother. <laughs> Two. We're gonna want nachos. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. Three. Denny Duquette episodes of Grey's Anatomy. That's it. Yeah.
1: You know what? I got I wanna tell you something very quickly, very quick yeah. aside. I stumbled onto something called Stan Twitter, which is the part of Twitter where people who really love stuff talk about it. And there's a lot of superstore stands. As there should be. So thank you very much. And so I was interacting with some of them on there, and then I kind of just got into the malay and people started asking me about things that I like. And one of the things that came out, people were asking me, like, Do you watch Grey's Anatomy? Or I said I said Denny Duquette Forever. And I got a lot of hate.
0: I got a lot of hate
1: apparently there is a contingent of people that really hate Denny. And of course there's a contingent of people that hate Izzy. Everybody should. But, but yeah. <laughs> but I got so much hate and I just kept saying, I was like, and then and then they got into like ghost Denny and I'm like, I'm not talking about ghost Denny. No. I'm talking about the original Denny Duquette episodes. Mm-hmm. I love him and I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. You know what? I don't feel guilty about it. There, I said it.
0: And you shouldn't. You should be allowed Thank to you. love who you want to love. Thank you. And Denny and if Duquette. If that person
1: is Denny Duquette, then that's just what it is.
0: It's not our fault he has John Winchester's face. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Yeah. I get it cuz as you know, I'm 100% Denny Duquette on board. Of course. I'm also 100% fuck Izzy. Is <laughs> where I'm at. I don't I don't yeah. like her. I've never cared for her. I just don't like the character. I have a lot of issues With that. And so I didn't... (laughs) This is going to be bold. And I say this kind of stuff about TV and movie characters all the time. So it feels right. I don't think that Izzy deserved Denny. I agree. And I was pissed that it was her that he was leaning towards. I can't think of who in the moment I would have wanted him to be with. But like, I also am so tired of that show I love it and I will watch it till the bitter end I'm very yeah. behind on it currently but I will continue to watch it till the bitter end but what they do and I'm getting in close cause I'm mad I wanna hear it they bring in a character that I love and they make me love them more than I thought humanly possible and then I love them again and then they're fucking dead. And then
1: they take you like this, and they take just the littlest shiv, and they just jam it in
0: your kidneys. They jam it in there. I know. I know. Denny Duquette. And mm-hmm. this is going to be a grey spoiler for everybody. I don't know who. If you watch it, you watch it, and you're up to date. Uh, Denny Duquette. <laughs> <laughs> Says the woman who just said, I'm not up to date. Uh, Denny Duquette. Yep. George. Yeah. And the character, I can't think of what was his name, Scott Foley. Oh, yeah. Teddy's husband. Yeah. Nope. And uh, I mean, obviously both the McSteamy, McDreamy. What the fuck, It's a bloodbath. It's a bloodbath
1: at Seattle Grace. Like can we talk about that for a Blood second? Like bath. think about think about this in real life. They've had active active shooters. They've had planes go down. They've had like, you know, it's it's a lot of death. A lot. I I wouldn't normally think that the staff of a hospital would go through so much death in real life, but yeah, listen, I stopped watching a couple of years ago because my show Superstore was on at the same day and time as Grey's Anatomy and so I was like I feel like I have to like give my show the ratings. Of course. Which is ridiculous. But it's anyway, l- long story short, long story short, I feel like I always have a soft spot for it. I think it's yeah. time for me to get back in because I'd like to shoulder some of your pain, is my point.
0: Well, <laughs> I don't even know how to warn you. There's some shit with Alex that. Oh, no. You love Alex. I want to throw a chair through a window. <laughs> Again, as a redhead, I like... Uh, I'm a little bit throwy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do totally. I don't like to splurge when it comes to limes. And I like to throw shit. <laughs> That's who I am in a nutshell. Uh, <sighs> and I just... Yeah, I love Alex so much. And again, also why I fucking hate Izzy. Because she had to get in there with Alex and I was just... No. But i have a lot of, i have a lot of, again we could well podcast number five Grey's Anatomy. i was just
1: get out of my head i was just gonna say well, we when go we start our Grey's anatomy podcast we go
0: back to the beginning and we watch the episodes oh. like we've never watched them before
1: yeah yeah long story short yeah and then we're
0: like denny duquette who is this new character we're gonna get in this oh people know we're lying <laughs> We've yeah. seen it. People will know. Yeah. People will know. It's okay. We're. I think we'll love it. But yeah, that's easily podcast five at this point, right?
1: <sighs> I don't even know what number we're on yet. And frankly, I'm excited about it. <laughs> um, all right, we got to wrap things up. Yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to hit on? Any other stories or anything that you, d-
0: you uncovered you wanted to share? I mean, there were a couple others that had gone missing. One was missing for 19 years. Another was missing for 13 years. Most... Most seem to be like they were taken by some sort of family member. One was taken by his paternal grandparents because they got in disagreement with the child's parents. And so they kidnapped him, took him to another state, changed all their names, but left his birthday and his social insurance number. So when the police started looking into it years later, they found someone with the same birth date, same social insurance number who conveniently looked a lot like the age progressed photo that they had of this child turns out it is him and that was he'd been missing for 19 years there was another kid he was applying for college in 2015 his uh, social insurance number didn't match his name and his school counselors like it's okay we'll figure this out well that poor counselor found out more than he bargained for because this child (laughs) was missing Oh my uh, God. They found out that he had been taken by his biological father uh, when he was five years old, 13 years before that. Wow. And of course, because these kids are raised so lovingly by these people, they're just like, I don't want anything bad to happen to them because they took me. And it's like, I understand that. But at the same time, it's like, do you have any idea what they put the parent through? The other parent who didn't take the child or... You know, like I just. Right. I don't know. And again, it's not on the kids. I'm not blaming the kids. This is not their fault. No. So I have a kind of weird one. Okay. In Chicago in 1964, a baby was taken. His name is Paul Franksack. He was taken by a woman dressed as a nurse. Again, keeps coming up. This prompted an intense nationwide search. It generated worldwide headlines, but there was just no leads. Two years go by. It's 1966. A toddler is found abandoned in New Jersey. The police show this child to Dora and Chester, who are the parents of the baby who went missing. And at this point, it's only been two years. They're still grieving they show this child to him and or to the parents and the parents go, yeah, okay, sure. He's our son. Yeah. So they take him in, adopt him as their own child. Okay. So they raise him as Paul. This is just who he is. So the new Paul uh, kind of gets like inklings on like something's not right and this isn't right. And he wants to like figure out what's going on. And in 2013... He starts, uh, by this point, his his mother has told him the truth of he was taken from a hospital and they just miraculously found him two years later, you know, in another state. And we just don't want to think about it. Right. We're just, you're Paul, we're moving on. And he didn't want to, he had to like push his parents to do like DNA tests because they just weren't interested. They were like, you're our Paul, it doesn't matter. But he was like, no, let's do right. this. So 2013 rolls around. He does the news circuit to get his story out there to try and find maybe if he... Because he wants to figure out what's going on. DNA tests were done. He was not the original Paul, which nobody was really surprised by. Uh, But two years later, the adult children of a man from Michigan took DNA tests because they thought the age-progressed photo looked like their dad. And it seemed like... Cause they were pretty sure he was adopted as a child and all this kind of stuff well it real it their dna test came back and it showed that their father was the real paul who had been kidnapped from the hospital uh when he was like one day old so this guy doesn't didn't want to go in public he didn't want his name out there he was battling cancer he didn't want to deal with becoming like a uh sideshow so he just like was like no not interested he did however he did uh have phone calls with the mom so she was able to actually speak with her son again so she her other son i should say because the right the other guy the new paul is she raised him as her son so he was also her son doesn't matter if you give birth to a child or not if you're raising them they are your child of course he did have contact with her so she got to have contact with him uh he did unfortunately die earlier this year so the other paul is like well i'm not paul at all so who the hell am i so he has paid money for his own investigators and dna experts and they actually found his birth family they found out his name is actually jack rosenthal his parents unfortunately have passed so he never got to meet them but he has siblings Uh, including a brother who heard his story and went, oh, this is a scam and won't speak to him. He learned he has a twin sister who's never been found. Oh my God. The two of them went missing. He apparently showed up at this place in Jersey and the cops were like, who knows this kid? Nobody did. So he went to uh, the the Franczak family we have no idea what happened to the sister. Uh, he has written a book about his journey and is making the circuit on that. So I did not read the book because I did not have time and I learned about it too late. But of course, there,
1: but that's a fascinating story. My goodness. Yes, I
0: can't even imagine. No. Oh,
1: gosh. Well, Listen. We made it through. Christy Oxborough, I think you brought some great stuff to the table here. I think that there's, you know, these stories of hope. Again, it's a, in a very unfortunate situations. We we have to hope that these people will be reunited with their biological families. And again, like I said before, I do hope that, that, you know, featuring this on Unsolved Mysteries, on Netflix, which has global reach, I really do hope that it may, you know, have some people come forward and some questions get answered. Uh, but I appreciate you as always. I appreciate all your work.
0: It's, uh... It's been a journey. I should say, since the episode aired, yeah, both Christopher and Shane's mother have given DNA samples to put into the database. So now, if any kid, or I guess at this point, they'd be men, but if any man comes forward thinking he might be, he can give a sample and they can uh, try and check it out. So that helps get them a step further. They just need... To find potential people who might be. But. Of course. There's still hope, I guess, is what we're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I look forward to hopefully getting an update on, on that case in traditional Unsolved Mysteries fashion. Yeah. Now, it should be noted, we have come to the end of these new Unsolved Mysteries episodes on Netflix. I mean, We have covered all of them at this point, which is amazing. It feels like we've been doing this for 30 weeks, but we (laughs) we haven't. Um, We haven't actually at this point. Um, But obviously we introduced a Dateline mystery last week, which was a super fun thing. And we do have a very special episode coming next week. Uh, We've toyed around with a couple of different names for it. But what we've settled on is next week being a very special episode called... The True Crime and Cocktails Holiday Hootenanny. (laughs) And what does that involve, you may wonder? Well, we don't know yet. It's basically just our shenanigans. We thought it would be nice to kind of wrap up, you know, the holiday season. Not wrap up the holiday season, but, you know, kind of wrap up all of these Unsolved Mysteries episodes with a fun holiday episode. Now, it also should be noted, we do have fan theory episodes coming. Yes. So if you have a theory About this case, about any case that we have covered thus far, all of these new unsolved mysteries, the Dateline mystery, please email us, theories at truecrimeandcocktails.com, because we are going to do at least one, if not two, depending on how many theories we get. And depending how long, you know, they go, we are going to do those featuring your theories. And we want to hear them because we know that you have them. If you didn't, you probably wouldn't listen to the show. So that's coming up too. So a lot of exciting things. And then I know what everybody's thinking. People are panicking. We got asked this from day one. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do when you run out of the Unsolved Mysteries episodes? This is something that's on people's mind. And let me tell you, we hear you. You have been heard. We have something very exciting coming in the new year. I feel like maybe we want to leave it a little secret for a little bit longer, but we, what we can guarantee you is that true crime and cocktails is going to continue. We're going to be talking about more true crime. We're not
0: going to leave you wanting, correct? Oh yeah. I, I, I want to say fortunately for us, but un- unfortunately there's a lot of true crime out there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. We're, uh, we're not going to be hurting for topics. And at this exactly. point, I have seen a lot of comments about like, where is the science podcast? And like, you know, so who knows what the next thing will be, but it will, True Crime and Cocktails will still live on. We want to, we want to keep this train on track. I don't know why we it's do. always I, a train, we, but.
1: Well, I think it's, we're going off the rails on a crazy train. Oh, okay. Can't afford that. got to stop singing. Yeah. Well, but yeah, Listen. It's very exciting. We promise you that we love doing this show so very much, and we are we have no intentions of stopping. If Netflix releases a new batch of Unsolved Mysteries, I'm sure we'll tackle those when that mm. happens. But until then, what I promise you is we've got lots of great stuff coming. There is nothing but true crime, and cocktail's going to come your way. Quick reminder, we remind you all the time, Make sure you go to our Instagram, True Crime and Cocktails, to get the virtual case files that Christy posts. If you want a more in-depth one, go to our website, truecrimeandcocktails.com, where the unedited Zoom episodes live, where you can watch us slowly devolve into drunkenness as we record each week. I'm yeah. so excited about the holiday episode next week. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, until next time. Christy, do you want to say goodnight to the people?
0: Night, people.
1: Goodnight, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.